Hello, anyone that is listening. Um, my name is Catherine. I am the commissioner for Program Board. Now, Marty, I'm a student ambassador. <laughs> and we're going to talk about everything that is Tyler the Creator, Odd Future related. Um, starting with a little overview of each album, the most popular songs from that album, how Tyler's music was changing during that time, et cetera, et cetera. And then um, kind of what it was like being like a witness of Tyler's music development. Then at the end, just talking about like some concert experiences and best performed songs and memorable moments. The first note that I wanted to talk about was on the Odd Future tape, Odd Future Tape 2, which came out in 2012, so one year after Goblin. The song that everyone knows off of Odd Future Tape 2 is Oldie, the most popular one, even though it's 10 minutes long. Um, and that's when Tyler says, I was 15 when I first drew that donut five years later for my label. Yeah, I, I'll own it, whatever. So it all started kind of when Tyler was like young teens, 15-ish, and then came Odd Future Tape 2 with all of like Taco and Domo and everyone that was in Mellow Hype and stuff like that. Oldie, such a classic song. Very classic. One of the best ciphers from any rap group. Even though it's not lyrically like the best, it's just like <laughs> such a memorable song. Yeah. Just having like great, like amazing artists like Frank Ocean, Earl Sweatshirt, and just seeing how far they've gone from like that era is like pretty crazy. I feel like a lot of people are so attached to that song too, just because of how raw everyone's raps were. They were literally just rapping about whatever came to their minds, which made the song like really funny, but on top of like such a good beat. I feel like that was the peak of Tyler's projection into the music industry was when Odd Future like put that song together. I was actually lucky enough to see them perform OD. I don't know if you've ever Wow. Yeah, no, I was not. Yeah, it was it, like literally to. everybody performed it. It was for um, uh, Doris, the album release party. Yes. A free concert in LA. That was actually my first concert. And um, Frank Ocean was there. Mag Miller was there. That's um, nuts. Everybody in Our Future was there. They're kind of celebrating just the fact that Earl Swesher was back in Our Future after like his two year hiatus. Yeah. So yeah, that's a, uh, I don't know. That, I think that's a very important moment for me, just being able to witness that. That's crazy, which is like something I did want to talk about, um, kind of planned for later, but fits in now is like experiencing Tyler and just like odd future culture from like different parts of California, because anyone that was like in LA was able to see them when they were like a lot smaller before like Tyler as an individual artist started blowing up. Um, and I'm from up north, so I was, like, so estranged from all of that. But I always wished that I could, like, just easily drive down to L.A. when I was 13 and go and see, like, all their pop-up shows and, like, all the small random things that they did. Because I feel like that's when a lot of the fan base started coming together. It was when they were doing, like, all those small events and stuff. Well, being from L.A., it's, like, you knew Fairfax and, and West Hollywood was, like, the place to go if you really wanted, like, just to, like, be in the music scene or, like, just... Yeah. And that little era where Supreme was really, like, blowing up. And, yeah, like, yeah. Yeah, so, like, I just remember being younger and just taking the bus, the the blue line to uh, West Hollywood and just going to the Odd Future store, the first one. That's crazy. And it, it was just kind of, like, maybe Tyler would be there, maybe Taco would be there, maybe somebody else would be there. yeah. 
I remember meeting Tyler like three or four times there. That's and it's nuts. just like such a they're they're just so open to meeting their fans and it's yeah. like I think it was a lot easier back then to meet them too, because they'd always be hanging around the store and stuff. And even now you can catch them um at the store on Fairfax. But I think it's like way less likely that you'll find them there just because they're so much higher profile artists now. One time when I was at the store on Fairfax I was like one hour off of being there when Tyler and Uzi were there, like in the alley and they were like racing (laughs) back there. Yeah, there was like a lot of videos that went on Twitter about it. And I was like one hour off. Like when I got there, I'd seen their stories from earlier. And I was like, there's no shot that I just (laughs) missed them. Um, It was a lot easier to be exposed to them as artists before they blew up if you were from socal or even relatively close to socal like travel distance for some people being really close to that scene was why they became such big fans versus other people that couldn't be really close to that scene became really big fans because it seemed like so out of reach like i would watch music videos all the time always watch interviews stuff like that where like other people that were really close could just, like, go and meet them in person and, like, go to pop-up shows and random stuff like that. So, like, out of all, like, the media they used to put out, like, uh, I remember they even had, like, an app called Golf Media. Uh-huh. Like, what was your favorite thing? Probably Loiter Squad. I don't know why. I think it was honestly probably because it was, like, getting to see them in a more, like, personal way. Because I feel like there was a lot of clips of them just, like, going around and you know doing whatever in ladera and just being dumb and just random skits (laughs) so i was able to like see them in a way that wasn't just like music centered um kind of like seeing what their personalities were like and i know they did upload like a lot of um videos to youtube about them just like going around the city and stuff like that so i feel like those were probably my favorite just because of that reason yeah, it's kind of wild uh, thinking, like, about all the stuff they used to put out. Like, I used to forget that he was, like, he made music. Because from, like, just watching all the YouTube videos, all the shows he used to come out in. Yeah, yeah. When I went, I went on a, like, a DC trip during eighth grade. You know, people go on those. And I was eating somewhere with my class at the time. And I think I and one of my friends that was sitting next to me, we were wearing, like, Odd Future merch of some sort. And the waitress that came up to us was like, oh, is that like Tyler, the creator's brand? And we were like, yeah, it is. You know, just thinking that she was like a big fan or something. And she was like, oh, yeah, I went to middle school with that guy or like middle school, (laughs) early high school. And we were like, no way, you know, thinking we just like hit a gold mine and that she was going to tell us like all this stuff about him. And she was like, yeah, he was actually weird. Like he used (laughs) to like sit by himself. And like I think she said that he was friends with like some of the band kids but like he wasn't he wasn't like a popular kid or whatever and he was just like dorky um which is funny because I feel like his whole persona like early on was like being weird and being openly super weird so meeting someone that like verified that and she didn't even seem like she was a fan of his music she was like oh yeah I know that guy um and her confirming that he was that person was really funny um no yeah um i don't know if you've seen like his like very old youtube videos of him and jasper just like skating i've seen some of them but i haven't seen all of them like he's like what 16 when he recorded those yeah yeah you could tell he was very just like kind of weird
which is funny because even now like the artists that he chooses to collaborate with or that he even tries to give some of his spotlight you can tell that he picks them because they're weird him like bringing tizo touchdown on his tour when i saw them i was like tizo is so weird he's a weird performer he creates like this whole narrative about like what's going on and he has like funny props and stuff like that and Tyler even said during the show, he was like, yeah, I saw some of his clips of him performing. And I was like, this guy's so weird. And then he took him on tour. So it's like having that natural weirdness is something that he still holds like central to his entire like empire, you know? He kind of made it part of his brand, being weird and not like um, just fitting into the mold. Yeah. Like forcing himself to fit like what com- like commonly is like the rapper image yes like he would just emphasize being yourself and not well not giving an f about <laughs> like what people think about you yeah i think that's why a lot of people just gravitated towards him being able to like find a community where people wouldn't judge you right. that's really what um like the odd future kids were about that's what i was thinking of because i had thought to myself like what is the ultimate tie between like all of the young odd future fans and all of like the early tyler album fans and most of it was that they just really liked weird stuff like liking weird stuff being open about being weird loving how weird tyler was like in the public eye and even like now how that translate into like or how that translates into how Tyler fans dress and stuff. Everyone always has like a pretty unique dress type and always likes like weird shoes and like weird patterns and prints. Yeah, that, I mean, his first designs for Out Future were just like cats all over. Yeah, yeah, like kittens. Cats, and it was always like the rainbows, donuts. the donuts, you know, random stuff. That all kind of came together at the beginning of Goblin. A lot of like the upside down cross stuff started, and people even like that, even though it was kind of freaky. People even like that because it was just like, why is he so comfortable like portraying all of this like upside down cross propaganda and stuff? Um, but people liked it. And I feel like people still really do like that era. I remember when I was first exposed to him, I was like, this guy is so weird. I can immediately tell I'm going to be like obsessed with him for a long time. Yeah. Like I was very like, drawn to him right from the beginning. Do you remember the first song you heard from him? Classically, it was Yonkers um, off of Goblin. So that came out in 2011. So I guess I misspoke earlier when I said I was, like, 13, but I guess it was 2011. And my brother, I had, like, just gone home from school. I don't know what grade 11-year-olds are in. And I had just gone home from school, and my brother was in the living room, and I was just hanging around him, like, being annoying, and... He was like, let me show you this music video that I saw earlier. And I was like, okay. And he was like, yeah, it's this guy. And he raps and he's cool, but like, just watch this music video. And I was like, okay. So I was like standing behind him and he's sitting on the couch. And I was like looking over his shoulder, watching the music video. And it's like, that, you know, that dark gray scale video of Tyler just sitting on that chair. And then, you know, I'm watching it up until the end. I'm like, okay, cool. This song is cool. And then he ate the roach, and I literally (laughs) immediately was like, I'm obsessed with what is going on in front of me right now. Like, I was not deterred at all. I was just, like, jaw dropped. And my brother was like, wasn't that crazy? And I was like, (laughs) you have no idea what you have just done. Like, that was a turning point. 
Yeah, I think uh, the first time I heard Tyler was, uh, I think it was Yonkers as well. It probably was. Yeah, I remember hearing uh, one of my classmates in history just, uh, I think that was his <laughs> ringtone. That's crazy, ringtone. Uh, yeah, that was his ringtone, and I was just like, what a weirdo. Yeah. <laughs> and then I Googled him, because uh, I remember it was like during Tumblr days. Oh, yeah. Like, he was really big on Tumblr. And I would always see his pictures, and I decided to Google him, and I think the first thing I heard was um, Orange Juice, I think that's the track yeah. title. Mm-hmm. It's uh, Earl Sweatshirt and um, Tyler. Yeah, and it wasn't for me, I think. At first, I was just like, yeah, I don't know. I don't really find any, like, any musical elements in there that I really like. But eventually, I kind of just started listening to more of, like, I think it was right when he dropped Wolf. I started listening to, like, the whole album, and... I decided just to listen to every album he had released uh, till then, and it was... Oh, okay, so you, like, backtracked? Yeah, so it was Bastard, Goblin, and Wolf, and then when I figured out that they were all, like, interconnected, they had, like, a plot going on. Yeah. I was just, like, my mind was just blown. That was, like, (laughs) my intro to, like, concept albums. Yeah. Seeing somebody be creative and, like, tell the story through music for the first time was just, like, eye-opening. Yeah, which is... Definitely a hard thing to do. I think it's hard to, like, stick to a theme or, like, a central story throughout so many albums. And he managed to do that and make the story really weird, which was probably, like, a key point to it, you know? If you're willing to stick to one theory or, like, theme and storyline with characters and stuff, it probably has to be really weird to, like, withstand a few albums. Yeah, because in Goblin, um, which is when he has... Yonkers and she with Frank being like his number two or number one and number two songs on that album. He also has like the int- some of the introductions or like he's featuring Dr. TC again a lot, which is like his um, therapist that he goes to. So it's like Tyler is himself and then he has Wolf, who's like his alter ego that does like evil things. And in Goblin, he's, like, talking a lot about, like, Wolf and, like, all these evil things. And that he, like, wants to, like, be good, but, like, Wolf is here and does all this bad stuff without it being under Tyler's control. So it's interesting how that plot line, like, developed throughout the albums, I guess. Yeah, it's unfortunate that, he like, he never finished it. Yeah, I think yeah. that was, like, such a big thing in his art was, like, all the characters he had built. And there was, like, Ace the Creator, Wolf, Haley, mm-hmm. um, Sam. He had Sam. He had Salem. Salem, Salem. was, like, his yeah, love like, interest. He had all these characters. And, like, at one point, he was even going to make a movie. And he was teasing it. There's even a, a trailer for it on YouTube. but That's funny. But, yeah, he obviously never went through with it. He kind of just dropped it all for Flower Boy. And just, I think he just started from scratch. Which was funny because, like, Goblin and Wolf and bastard and everything that came before all of that stuff was like his angry rapping or like rapping about being upset about like his dad or like his conditions like growing up and like being stuck in ladera like i feel like a lot of those songs were like angrier songs or like just like more aggressive um and like really out of the box uh which some people like really liked and some people like really didn't like which is why they weren't fans early on and even now i don't know if you saw but i like one of my friends or no i actually saw it on twitter it was um a video of like some girl that very clearly was not a tyler fan 
and she was playing some part of it was like sandwiches or something like that and she was like why is Tyler the creator such a big artist when like this is what his early music sounded like (laughs) and it was funny because someone quoted the video it was like a TikTok and someone quoted it and was like you guys are gonna be in for a treat like if you don't know what Tyler's early music is like and you go back and listen to it like you are gonna have your mind blown um so they were trying to cancel him yeah they were like (laughs) low-key trying to do it and then like i i saw it and i was like honestly just don't even try he's like uncancelable at this point because um, like he's made it this far even with all of that stuff that he used to rap about i think you addressed it on twitter right i think he was saying like people were trying to cancel him before cancel culture existed there was, like, protests outside his shows and stuff. Oh, wow. And he even got banned from, like, New Zealand. Like, yes, he's always he talking did. about it. Yeah. yeah. That was really funny. I think that came up on Wolf a few times. Or I think it came up on... Yeah, it was on Wolf because he had 48. So when you talked about, like, 48 states yeah, and that I can get in. And that was at the beginning of all of that, like, stuff with people protesting him and being like i don't want my kids to see him and then him and all of odd future being banned from new zealand like that was during all of that pushback and it's funny because even now when people listen to it and they're like how did this guy make it past this phase and he just did somehow yeah no it's very surprising actually he kind of like found like uh pharrell and like kanye yeah like all these uh like role models that he didn't have when he was like younger I think Pharrell really had, like, the biggest impact and um, by, like, the way he dresses and, like, the way he, like, expresses himself and, like, yeah, the way he behaves. Yeah, that's true. It's really the dress. The way Pharrell yeah. dresses, I feel like, has impacted Tyler's style a lot. Yeah, so someone that I met at a show said that he felt like Flower Boy was when Tyler really started focusing on his music. Because before, you know, they were making music and people were liking it, but they weren't really focusing on the musicality per se you know it was kind of just like producing content and then when flower boy came out you could tell that he had like a lot more focus on what the songs actually sounded like and started getting more creative with his sound and stuff or i i think it's it's that like he kind of just stopped doing a bunch of other stuff and just focused like on his clothing brand and on the music yeah but i think just he would always make music so it's like it was kind of like inevitable just the fact that he would get better at making, like, the... Just better at, at music theory, at, like, um, yeah. the concept of his albums. And he kind of just hones in, like, in, in Flower Boy and in I- Igor. Like, yeah. he kind of takes all of the stuff he did in the mm-hmm. past and just kind of, like, perfects it. It's, I had written a note about, you know, Goblin in 2011 being centered around, like, this lake being, like, the main setting... But all Tyler was trying to promote at the time was just, like, biking around and doing dumb stuff with your friends. Like, it was really not a super perfected album with, like, a theme and stuff like that. It was really just a product of, like, a teenager that was, like, barely getting into music and doing just dumb stuff with his friends all the time. And then once you get into Wolf, two years later, he's, like, actually starting to talk about his fame on like Colossus he talks about how he was like approached while he was at Six Flags and he writes this whole song about this like from the fan perspective of like Tyler I love you I want to be just like you and all this stuff and he's like I'm just trying to buy a churro and get on Colossus and I'm like dealing with all this fame that he never dealt with before because 
once he was in his like wolf era was when he actually started becoming like a quote unquote famous person. And it wasn't just like, that was when he was like starting to leave his old, like pretty simple life behind, I feel like. And then after that came Cherry Bomb in 2015. So they were like pretty consistent with like the two year gaps, you know, and like on Twitter, people always joke about like Rihanna not giving yeah. music ever <laughs> versus like Tyler fans get, music consistently every two years which has been the trend thus far and in cherry bomb his number one song off the album was fucking young slash perfect and that was my favorite album personally um i think it's just because it sounded so different and he also started getting really into like musicality and like jazzy sounds and even on from call me if you get lost the song massa he says i was shifting that's really why cherry bomb sounded so shifty so you can tell that right there was when he was like really starting to experiment with music and how his music sounded and also just going through a lot of changes because he was like starting to get out of Los Angeles for the first time um, once he became popular and like Wolf really threw him into the scene. So I feel like he was going through a lot of changes at that time, which is where like a separation in the fan base happened too, I think. Cherry Bomb was also my favorite. I think that was when I was like, at my peak, just obsessed yeah. with Tyler. <laughs> I feel like that album was like his truest album, like to himself. Like that's like the one he really like expressed himself the most without thinking about any other aspects of the music industry. Yeah. And yeah, people were just not like the music critics were they're not okay with that. Yeah. But I also think that like this album was a byproduct of him meeting all of those people that he like now mentions as like really looking up to because Pharrell is on this album he's on Keep the O's which I don't think he was on Wolf at all right uh Pharrell I-F-H-Y oh you're yeah. right Pharrell is on that song um you have Smuckers with Lil Wayne and Kanye so yeah. that's like those are two humongous artists at the time yeah it's like such a good song but that's also where you start to see the beginning of like the trend of Lil Wayne on a song that sounds like very jazzy because he's also stuck to that um, since then. I, I, this is the album where I feel like he had a lot of big artists on yeah, for, for like, the, the first, first time. time. Yeah. yeah, yeah, like he had Schoolboy Q. He had, I remember um, he had a bunch of like uh, indie artists. He had like uh, the guitar player from like uh, the Black Lips. He had uh, mm-hmm. he had Charlie Wilson right on. Um, on the the song with Kaliuchis. Yes, yeah, that, Charlie yeah, like, Wilson is on that song. So I think that this album was like him really honing in to like his production skills and kind of just like leading artists, just using people like like artists like as musical instruments to kind of just come together for his idea. Yeah, yeah, and even like Okaga, California, with Alice Smith. I think this was the album where he actually started having people like sing over his yeah. tracks. Like, cause before this, I feel like it was only Frank. Like a few songs. Yeah. And it was mostly Frank where people were singing or like maybe like Sid would do like some very light singing. But before this, I don't think there was a lot of people like singing over his tracks, which was why I think his beats also changed a lot at the time. Um, and then that led into Flower Boy, which released in 2017. So exactly two years after Cherry Bomb did. Um, And what's funny is that this was right before Program Board had him at UCSB for an in-conversation. So we had him for an in-conversation on March 9th. March 9th. Yeah, March 9th of 2017. 
and then he released Flower Boy a few months later. The people that were putting on the event at the time, it was so funny because the tickets went on sale online through the ticket office and they sold out in like 30 seconds or something. Yeah, and it was in Campbell (laughs) Hall too, so there's, you know, 800 seats in there roughly and they sold out in 30 seconds and people were selling them on campus for like insane prices, yeah, because... He was so popular already, and this was even before Flower Boy, and people were just going absolutely berserk. Even though that was pre-Flower Boy, I think that is where you can draw the line between like his early and new fans, because a lot of people didn't like Cherry Bomb, and then came Flower Boy that everyone loved, yeah. like regardless of which side of the fan base you were on. And I think that's just because it appealed to a lot bigger of an audience, um, especially because of the people that he featured on it. Like, I think Rex Orange County. I mean, that was Rex's, like, huge break, right? Yes, yeah. And that was when Rex himself was also starting to get really popular, too. And that's one song he'll never fail to play, is Boredom. Because he knows everyone wants to hear it, you know? It's just, like, that's just him giving the people what they want. Yeah. Because he knows that a lot of his fans came from that song and stayed after that point. A lot of his music before that didn't appeal to the masses. And then Flower Boy was the first one that could. And I remember, it's funny because being a fan at that time, I remember being like a little upset. And I was like, I don't know how I feel. Like I have really conflicting feelings about like one of my favorite artists becoming really popular. And like, I want them to be popular and I want the fame for them, but I don't want them to have like fake fans you know like I want I want to know that I'm always like surrounded by diehard fans when I'm like at his events and stuff like that so I had like really weird feelings at the time of like wanting him to have the fame and like being happy that he was like garnering so much so much success and then also feeling like well I don't want all these like rando people coming in like not even actually liking him as an artist and just liking, like, his softer songs, you know? No, yeah, it was, like, a huge switch. It's, like, the crowd before um, Flower Boy was just very, like, hip-hop heads, kind of, like, music nerds. Yeah. Um, And, like, the concert experience was kind of tough. It's, like, there was a lot of mosh fits, a lot of, like, jumping around on high energy. <laughs> yeah. I saw him at Coachella performing Flower Boy. Mm-hmm. And it was so different. It was like, and, and that was, I think, the last Coachella he played. He was not okay with it. He, oh, like, wow. hated the crowd. I'm pretty sure it's just because, like, the larger audience kind of just, like, made it harder for him to, like, be able to, like, have a good time performing, like, those yeah. festivals. But it's not, like, a bad thing at the end of the day. It's, like, more people found his music, and that's kind of, like, a cool thing, in my opinion. Yeah. And it's funny because my roommate saw him at Outside Lands this year. Um, or Outside Lands... 2021 I think she was saying how you know he was playing like she and like his really big songs that were from his older albums and still people didn't even know those like he wasn't playing like his really niche songs he was playing like his most known songs yeah and the crowd was just like not responding and she was saying she like felt so weird because she's like how do you people not know these songs at least and then even Tyler announced it and was like, this crowd is hella low energy, but I'm going to play like the new stuff because I know yeah. like that's where you guys are coming from type of thing. So he's like, he'll always cater to his older audience and like give them 
older songs, but he definitely acknowledges that some of the fans he has now don't go back as far in his discography and like probably won't ever know yeah. those songs. Yeah, well, it's, it's like a it happens with everybody that really blows up. Yeah, and like even now at his shows, he'll always say like, "I love my fans," like regardless of of their age or like what album they came in on. And he acknowledges that it's just like insane that he has so many fans like from so many different backgrounds and periods of time. Um, but he's still like very loving and is like, I love you all. It doesn't matter where you came from. I'm just glad you're here. Moving from Flower Boy, Igor in 2019. How do you think people perceived that album at first when it came out? Or at least what was your experience with it when it first came out? I think I liked it more than flower boy really yeah but i i definitely had to listen to it like three times but it it was i don't know it's such a good album it's kind of i can't get over it to be <laughs> it's like yeah. for me it's like seeing all his hard work kind of just like climax there yeah it's like uh i don't know I, I was just like so happy for him what's funny is when i first heard the album i remember not liking it very much and this came out my freshman year and I remember I was like taking the bus back to FT which is where I had a dorm at the time and I was listening I remember listening to Earthquake and like sitting there and being like I don't know why I can't get a good feel for this album (laughs) really yeah and it wasn't until I listened to the album like top to bottom like five times and then it's just like something switched and I was like I'm suddenly obsessed with the album but I didn't like it upon first hearing it which was a scary moment for me because I thought I was like, oh my God, Tyler's music is changing. Like, what if he just like flops like yeah. right here, you know? And so I was like really scared that I wasn't going to like it and almost felt like I had to like it because I liked him so much. And then after I listened to it a couple of times, it was fine. And I was like, yeah, this is great. I saw another podcast with him and Rick Rubin mm-hmm. and they were uh, deciphering like the way he writes music and it's like... He's kind of at that point where, like, he knows exactly what he's doing. Like, he knows the reaction yeah. he's going to get. Yeah, and it it's funny because I think when he made this album, he was really smart about catering to both sides of his fan base because Earthquake was, like, Earthquake was just amazing. It was, like, a nice and a smooth song. But then he also had, like, New Magic Wand, which, like, he knew all his old fans were going to obsess over. And even now, you go to one of his shows, there's no way he's not playing New Magic Wand. And there's no way everyone's not going to lose their minds. Like, it is an insane environment to be in when that song comes on. But then he also has, like, Gone Gone slash Thank You, which is, like, really soft. Wow. Igor at all. I haven't seen him since. I saw him um, at... Flognaw 2019. Mm. So he performed a lot of his like Igor material there and it was really good. He won, was it only one? One Grammy? He got nominated for Flower Boy for a best hip hop rap album and then he won the Grammy for Igor. Yeah, that was crazy. And even his Grammy performance was so crazy. Remember, he had like a lot of fire effects and stuff like that. It was so good. It was so good. I remember (laughs) watching it. And also having the thought of like, oh my God, everyone that's at the Grammys right now that doesn't understand Tyler is probably so freaked out or yeah. scared because he was up there like screaming and yelling as he normally does. <laughs> but I was like, this is probably shaking everyone's world right now. Yeah, no, it was, it, I think it, it went pretty viral, right? From just like 
being like the most one of the most out there performances in yes. Grammy history. And he like fell into a hole at the oh, very yeah. end or something. That was funny. I loved that. And now we have Call Me If You Get Lost. I had the kind of an interesting experience with Call Me If You Get Lost too, where I like had songs that I did really like, but I didn't really delve into any of the other songs that I didn't like off of like initial listen. And then I went back and re-listened to it, and I was like, yeah, these are all really good. The way he, like, teased the album was pretty interesting, too. Like, he put up the phone numbers on the billboards. Yes, that was funny. The, the, overall, did you like it, the album? <laughs> yeah, no, I love the album now. Thinking about it, like, I can't put it above, like, any of the older albums, I don't think, because I'm not as attached to it but i still love the album and i like all the songs like regularly am listening to yeah. them like daily basis i'm gonna be listening to call me if you get lost yeah i think i feel the same way about it it's like not my favorite but it's still very good like the bar is set pretty high now at yeah. this point for tyler so i love how he brought back domo genesis from odd feature mm-hmm. uh, it's such a comforting idea to know that they're like still home <laughs> yeah and be a young boy was surprisingly like a <laughs> he knows how to find artists that would sound good over beats he already has yeah, or like because sure. even like with Tizo touchdown putting him on a song he put him in in like the perfect spot and i feel like tyler's gonna be essential to like Tizo's fame and his growth at this point but like he always has a track with Lil Wayne and he just knows exactly what Lil Wayne is going to sound so good over and he always talks about it too like something about putting Lil Wayne's voice over like a jazzy track is something that he like has to do but he's so good now and like even like always working with Cali and stuff he knows like exactly what's going to sound right yeah for the artist that he's working with which is like a really incredible talent I can't wait to hear his next album like yeah. he went straight rap so i don't know what he's gonna try to do next time maybe <laughs> yeah. he'll try to finish the his old storyline with the three yeah first albums. i know that and would maybe, be crazy yeah maybe bring, <laughs> like bring back sam or any some dr tc or somebody i don't know yeah um do you want to quickly talk about best performed songs your top three um uh, oldie i think has to be the first one because <laughs> it's valid. like like just amazing that i got to see that tamale oh yeah the first time i saw him uh perform his own set was at camp flogna 2014 i think it was like the second one he ever had uh he had so like he brought everybody on stage he was just going crazy you know how they go yeah and kanye was just there that's crazy mac miller was going crazy everybody not future was going wild so it was like such a cool memory and I think another good performance I saw from him was um, when I saw him at Coachella, he was saying how week, I went weekend two mm-hmm. and weekend one was such a bad like crowd. Oh, and, wow. Like he said, our, the crowd for weekend two was better. And I remember one, in one instance, like people were getting mad at me and like a couple other dudes because we're vibing. We're just kind of like jumping. They're like, can you stop? <laughs> That's so yeah. weird. And then he started playing... Um, who that boy mm-hmm. and we started like the biggest mosh pit <laughs> ever and like we just had the best time <laughs> that's funny yeah who that boy is definitely in my top three when i went on the flower boy tour 
and he performed to that boy, I genuinely was fighting for my life, trying to, like, <laughs> stay standing. Um, and I saw him in San Francisco, so it wasn't, like, a super huge venue. And I got to be really close to the front, which was insane. But I was, like, holding on to the person in front of me's backpack because they were oh, really? wearing a backpack. <laughs> and it was a guy that was taller than me. And I was like, I'm need gonna hold on to this guy for dear life. But it was an amazing experience. It was so fun because that was the first time I'd seen him perform Who That Boy or like any of those insane songs off Flower Boy Live. That probably is maybe my number one performed live song. I would put Earthquake as my number three. I saw him perform his Igor content at Camp Flognaw 2019. Even though Earthquake wasn't one of my favorite songs, it was just so good because everyone in the crowd was so insane about it. And like everyone was singing it word for word. And he was like really good at encouraging like audience participation for that song. But everyone was singing and it's obviously his set. So there's like hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of people there and everyone is singing the same song like he literally just tells them to sing that yeah yeah and he'll he'll literally be like sing it and everyone will sing it and it was so insane so even though earthquake wasn't one of my favorites off the album it was still so good to see live and like new magic wand is also one of the ones that he'll still play and everyone will go insane um off of igor so that one's probably my number three and then my number two is actually Run It Up off of Call Me If You Get Lost because I just loved that song and then seeing it live was just an otherworldly experience because he closed out the show with that song but he just had so much energy and like the effects he was like jumping up and down the entire time everyone was like singing or screaming or jumping and it was so fun. I was like on the brink of passing out because I was jumping for so long and I was so dehydrated. But I was genuinely having the time of my life. It was so fun. And that was last week? Yeah, that was that was a few weeks ago. I saw him um, early February in San Diego. For his new tour, right? Yeah, nice. for the Call Me Feet Lost tour. It was so good. It was amazing. Other things? There's my dad. <laughs> Tyler's my dad. Um, yeah, he's the love of my life. Number one artist for sure. And my kids will probably be listening to his songs. Thanks everyone for listening. Everyone and anyone that listened. I hope it was interesting. This is Marty signing out. And this is Catherine from Program Board. Thank you for listening.